How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensie. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's going good. As fun as it was to see you guys back on the island, it's good to be back in Calgary. Yeah, man. It was a honestly, it was a great time to have you in studio for that episode. It was great to see you and Chelsea. And we also can't forget, we got to see our bot Andrew Locke, who is probably the third person of this podcast because he's the one who drew and designed our logo for the podcast. Yeah, it was honestly awesome seeing him, and uh, been the first time in years I'd run it. Well, I'd seen the guy, so uh, it was just awesome catching up. And yeah, talking about third like Flood's deep floor. Right? Oh, that was so good. And he's just looking at us like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Pretty much. So, Tim, as much as our last episode was great, where we got to talk about the Stanley Cup Finals, this is going to be a fun episode to talk about. Because today's episode, we are going to be doing our Seattle Kraken Expansion Draft episode. Now, I'm really excited about this. Obviously, this is the second expansion draft episode we have got a chance to do. We got to do it back in 2017 for the Vegas Golden Knights. I Do you recall? I don't remember us even releasing that. I think it's on my hard drive still. I think it's on your hard drive, and I think that's a good thing because I was being a jerk with it. Because if you listen back to it, uh, obviously listeners can't. I was pretending to be... Uh, I don't remember who, but I think probably Brian Burke and just picking the like the biggest grindiest team as a full on lark. And I'm sad that that was a few of the picks that actually got made, like Cody Eakin and stuff like that. <laughs> and I think Ryan Reeves and stuff. Just me being a jerk. Yeah, and that was Karma's way of coming back to bite you in the ass. That that's what what they yeah. really take. Hey, they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals that year, so. I know. And they lost. Right. They lost and they never got back. So take that, Vegas. I was going to think maybe I'll have to look through my hard drive, see if you can find it. Maybe I'll upload it as a bonus episode this summer. Fun stuff, fun stuff. Yeah. So there's a few things we got to talk about, first of all, before we get into the Seattle expansion draft episode today. Now, a couple things we need to talk about. Now, number one, when it comes to our selections, the only team that we don't get a choice to pick from is the Florida Panthers because it's been proven that they're going to take Chris Drieger, who they just signed a three-year $10.5 million contract. So good on Seattle for doing that. Obviously, when we get to the Florida pick, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But a couple more things I want to talk about. That's a good one. It is a, de- it is a good one. And like I said, we'll talk a little bit more about it when we get to the pick itself. Now, a second thing we got to talk about actually has to do with how the Seattle Kraken are be doing their picks because for those who are from the Pacific Northwest or from Seattle, they know about the Pike Place Market. Now, the Pike Place Market, it's a market in Seattle, which is well known for the people who work there who throw the fish. 
very well known. I never got a chance to see it. I've been to Seattle twice. I never, ever got a chance to see it myself. Although, I did see the Hard Rock Cafe, which is literally, like, up the road from there. Really good rooms, I'm not going to lie. Way. You're doing better than me. I've been to Seattle five times now, and I've only been to Pike Place once. I know. And you know what? If I go back again for a third time, I'm definitely going to Pike Place Market because I want to see them throw the fish. That's pretty well, cool. I'm sure that you're going for the next football season, right? I don't know about the next football season. I, I Believe me, I would love to go see another Seahawks game. Even go and see a Mariners game. Like I've never got a chance to see the Mariners. But now with the Seattle Kraken, that's another reason to maybe go visit Seattle in the future, right? So that should be a fun time. Now, the reason why I bring back the bring up the Pike Place Market is because the Seattle Kraken have announced that they are going to be doing their expansion draft broadcast from the Pike Place Market. And how they're going to be doing it is that they're going to have the guys there throwing the fish, and the fish is going to have the team name and the pick. I think that's really cool. And you know what's funny? I think I may have even mentioned this to you off-air when Seattle... When the, when the team got announced, was that how funny would that be if they do it at Pike Place Market and they throw the fish? I actually distinctly remember you saying that before it was officially announced that it was Seattle. And it's awesome that they were able to find something that's very Seattle and work it into the team identity. It's true. The and they've kind of been going that the whole way with like the Climate Pledge Arena and a bunch of other stuff like that. The Kraken really do scream Seattle. They do. They do. And with the exception of maybe the team colors themselves, because it's like a dark blue with baby blue, with red, with white. Whereas traditionally the Seattle sports teams outside of the college teams, which either goes from purple to red, is blue, green, and white. Now, obviously, that's the Canucks yeah. colors. The Canucks can use that. But think of it the Mariners use those, the Seahawks use those. Uh, at one time. I believe the Sonics wore those too. I think there was some brown in there, like the 90s jerseys. But I think yeah. that's a really cool thing that they're going to be doing the fish. And I said to somebody at work today, I said, you know, how cool would that be? The players who get picked by the Kraken, if they got to keep that fish. If they were given I guess it. you would have to, like, taxidermy it. Because fish stinks. It's true. But what if they gave it to you and you were allowed to eat it? Okay, that's next level. You like you get the choice to like keep it or eat it. Yep. It almost sounds like a show on TLC. Show it or keep it. Show it or keep it. Take it or eat it. Hey, we can either sell it to TLC or the Food Network. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now the second thing, or actually the next thing I want to talk about when talking about the selections. Now I don't know if you got a chance to look at this tweet by Sportsnet's. Chris Johnson, at Reporter Chris on Twitter. Now, he actually announced, or he put up on Twitter, that the NHL has announced an impressive list of Seattle celebrities that will help the Kraken announce their expansion draft picks tomorrow night, which is Wednesday night. Now, here are some of the celebrities that they're going to be getting to announce the picks. Sue Bird, former WNBA player. She was the number one pick of the Seattle Storm. Lenny Wilkins, former Supersonics head coach. Jordan Morris, I'm not exactly sure who that is. Now, these two are actually really cool. Gary Payton and Sean Kemp, former Seattle Supersonic greats, who was on the 1996 Supersonics team that went to the NBA Finals. 
who lost to the 72-win Chicago Bulls. And if you watch The Last Dance, they talk quite a bit about that. Bobby Wagner, current Seattle Seahawk. Kyle Lewis, who I'm not exactly... I know he's with the Mariners. I can't say for sure what position he plays. But this is the one that really caught my eye, Tim. And I know... I don't know if you can see that on <laughs> my screen. The Kraken's going beast mode. Former nice. Seattle Seahawks running back, Marshawn Lynch. My favorite cool. all-time Seattle Seahawk right there. It's beast mode. I guess one of the cool things about especially the former Sonics guys, is it's almost like they're handing the arena over. Because, like, back when it was KeyBank, it was the Sonics house. They haven't been there for over a decade now. 2008. Almost 15 years, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, Key and, Arena. Yeah, now it's going over, becoming Climate Pledge, and, uh, yeah, they're handing the keys to Key Arena over to the new team, and I think that's really cool. It is really cool, and I think for me, the only way this could be any cooler is if the Seattle Kraken honors a wish Gary Payton has had for such a long time. Now, for those who are sports fans, they know that the Seattle Supersonics sold and moved to Oklahoma City in 2008. To this day, Gary Payton's number 20 has not been retired by the Oklahoma City Thunder because Gary Payton doesn't want it retired in Oklahoma. He wants it retired in Seattle. How cool would that be? If the Seattle Kraken does that, if they're the ones that retire the number twenty for him, like that'd be kind of cool. It'd be insane for like a completely new team to retire a number, right? Yeah, especially for a guy who is such a fan favorite Seattle, but a guy who always repped Seattle. He always talked so highly about Seattle, and there was about a decade or so ago there was a documentary called Sonicscape. And I highly recommend it. If, you, if anybody out there can find this on YouTube, go find the director's cut of it because Gary Payton is in the documentary. He talks quite a bit about his time in Seattle and he talks about Sean Kemp leaving. It's an amazing documentary regardless of whether you like basketball or not kind of like The Last Dance for the Bulls. But I think when I was reading this, Tim, I think the only thing for me that really caught my eye, there was two guys. I'm amazed the Kraken weren't able to land. Current Seattle Seahawks quarterback, Russell Wilson... And former Seattle Mariners center fielder and my one of my all-time favorite athletes, Ken Griffey Jr. Two guys who are so beloved in that city, and I'm actually amazed the Kraken didn't get them. Maybe they'll be surprise guests. Maybe. I mean, I know that... Can you imagine that? Just like, Ken, like Griffey Jr. just pops out of nowhere? He would be amazing. He is a, like, he's tied under the fish. Oh my god, what if he's the guy catching? What if he's the guy who throws the fish? That'd be amazing. It would Although be. I have a feeling that each of the Seattle athletes is going to be tossing at least one fish. It's got to be. And you would think Russell Wilson would have been the guy, because that man's got an amazing arm on him. <laughs> yeah, he just like, he drops back, he kind of looks around, and throws it. That would be cool. Yeah. I guess another thing that'd be really cool is if they get some like some of the youth athletes from around Seattle, like some of the, or some of the kids on the Thunderbirds to toss some fish as well. That'd be super cool. Mm-hmm. And actually, but, uh, sorry, Tim, uh, speaking really quickly about the WHL. Now, did you have, no, this is not related to Seattle, but it is related to the Portland Winterhawks. Did you happen to see their logo change? No. Because you know, is this the one that people think looks like a swastika. No, that's the Waterloo. 
What right. about Waterloo Junior? I just saw Brandon Mackey's tweet about it. No, it's actually it's a falcon. It's a falcon head. It's kind of a cool look, man. Like oh, honestly, cool. because the Thunderbirds went not the, yeah the the Winterhawks went for the you know the old school Blackhawks logo for Chicago, but now they've switched it up. Kind of a cool look. I'm not gonna lie. Now, Tim... Oh, I'll have to give it a look. Exactly, man. It, it, definitely look it up. It's actually kind of a cool look. And oh, that's really all I got to say, man. Because it's time for the moment everyone's been waiting for, Tim. We've got to do our Seattle Kraken expansion draft. Now, because I'm a great guy, I'm going to let you go first. Now, how we're going to be doing this, we're not going to be doing it by forwards, defense, and goalies. We're going to be doing it by teams. Alphabetically, we're going to go from Anaheim to Winnipeg. And we're going to start off with the Anaheim Ducks. So, Tim, who do you have the Seattle Kraken taken from the Anaheim Ducks? I take Hayden Flurry. It's a good, low-cost RFA option and gives, gives Seattle a lot of flexibility around the rest of the team. And even at age 25, he still has, he still has a bit of room to grow in his pretty darn good in his own end so i yeah uh hayden flurry welcome to the seattle crack and you know what now obviously you and i didn't get a chance to look at either of our draft lists i also take hayden flurry as well i mean this guy's such a he's a really good third pairing defenseman he can be moved up if he has to he's a bigger defenseman at 6'3 208 i think for me one of the big reasons why i i, I personally took him and you're obviously right. He's a low-risk RFA for next for 2022, but he's also a guy who could play on the left or right side. And obviously, with expansion drafts, you don't exactly get the cream of the crop of talent unless you're Vegas. Let's admit. Well, even this year, there's a lot. There is, and obviously, we're you know what? It's funny. We could probably look back at this in a year or two and be like. Man, we were so wrong on this guy to be like, eh, he's just okay. But yeah, I absolutely agree with this. I picked Hayden Flurry. I don't really have much to say. I think you kind of already touched on it a bit. So if you're cool with it, let's move on to talk about the Arizona Coyotes. And I'm going to say the Seattle Kraken take Tyler Pitlick. Hardworking bottom six guy, can't produce offensively. Guy's not a world beater or anything decent enough player and again like Hayden Fleury he's also an RFA in 2022 if he has a pretty good year for the Seattle Kraken you never know maybe the Kraken can bring him back for the next couple of years honestly I think Antiorant is probably going to be re-signed by the Arizona Coyotes so this is one of my gold examples we're taking Antiorant he's a guy who's been plagued by injury but we've seen what he can do when healthy and this is the interesting thing about the Coyotes is there's a few good options here. Like Tyler Tyler Pitlick's a good option, very flexible forward with only one year left on the contract before RFA. Christian Fisher was another name that popped up, but I don't think he was good enough. And Ilya Labushkin was an in- intriguing, but I didn't jump on him. Yeah, but I think Antiranta is definitely one of the goalies you take a gamble on here. Yeah, I would high risk high reward. Yeah, that's true. I would agree with this, but I think the only reason why I personally didn't take Anti Ratna is simply because, obviously, with the recent trade of Aiden Hill to the San Jose Sharks, I don't see Arizona wanting to lose Anti Ratna. And actually, just a quick side note here for both Pitlick and Aiden Hill that I just mentioned 
obviously I've mentioned in the podcast how I met Tyler's uncle Lance in the Ottawa airport a couple of years ago. That was cool. I got a picture with him. But also, uh, my supervisor at work currently, one of the guys that he's buddies with is Aiden Hill's dad. Really? Yeah. A small world. Yeah, it's also a smaller world because my supervisor, take a wild guess which Ottawa senator he grew up playing baseball with. Brady Kachuk. Chris Phillips. Oh, damn. Yeah, he grew grew up in Fort Mac. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, honestly, I think that's the reason why I didn't go with Anti-Ratina. It's a solid pickup, but I think another reason for me is that you also look at the number of goalies that are available in this expansion draft. Anti-Ratina is kind of a gamble because, honestly, there's a chance that he might not want to sign with Seattle and maybe he goes back to Arizona so, no, I'm going to stick with Tyler Pitlick. I'm happy with my choice on this one. And we're going to move on to the Boston Bruins. Tim, who do you see the Seattle Kraken taking from the Bruins? What's kind of funny with the Bruins is there's there's some talent here. Like, Andre Casse was an interesting, was intriguing. Nick Ritchie was also interesting. But I went with Jer- Jeremy Lausen. He's young. On defense, RFA in 2022, young guy, played third-line minutes, and looked good in Boston. And it's another guy that gives you a lot of flexibility, and he'll grow into the team. So I don't. I think this is a good low-risk pick, and it helps fill out the lower lines in Boston. And the man's 23, and okay. he looks pretty good. Okay. Okay, I'm feeling your pick a little bit. Now, for my pick for the Boston Bruins, I also went with a defenseman. I didn't go with a, as a young of guy, but I did go with a guy. Now, this is also kind of, I don't want to say a risky pick because he is a UFA this offseason. Former Ottawa Senator Mike Riley. Solid offensive defenseman for the third pairing who who can be moved up. He's a perfect 6-7 defenseman. He would be pretty good for an expansion team, honestly. When you, if you get enough talent up front, he's proven that he can actually make plays. You saw it with Boston. You saw it even in Ottawa where maybe the talent level wasn't always there every night. But you're right. This is I have to say Mike Riley for me. That's a definite dark horse for this team. But I'm sticking with it. Yeah. Because, like, it was tough between Lawson and Kase for me. Because Andre Kasse, like if Seattle goes with Andre Kasse, that's a really good pick too. Like Andre Kasse is fantastic depth forward. It's uh, definitely, he's definitely though in kind of the billing as Eric Condra. Fantastic at his end. Drives the puck the right way. Can't hit the broadside of a barn. And it's a bit hard to justify $2 million for that sort of player. So we're going to move on and talk about the Buffalo Sabres. Now, for my pickup, I'm going to go with a guy who he's got one year left on his deal. And he's also a guy who was taken by the Vegas Golden Knights in the 2017 expansion draft, Colin Miller. And Colin Miller is a guy, he's proven that he can produce offensively. His numbers really have dipped over the last couple of years, but I often wonder where that's he had his a big year in Vegas, or he was just a Buffalo Saber. Because everybody on the Sabres last couple of years have had down years. 
I do see him being either a number one or number two right-hand defenseman with the Seattle Kraken. And I don't want to say I see you taking this guy as well, but I can kind of see where you would also take him. Now, am I right for saying that? Or are you going with somebody else? No, I took him. And this is one of those things where it's like, I look at the players that Buffalo actually defended, and it's like, I understand... But also, Jesus Christ, why are you still hanging on to Rasmus Ristolainen? He's not good. No, I think maybe because they think that Ristolainen, they could still probably get something for him. Because I know they're talking to Philly yeah. right now for him, right? So That's true. It just reminds me of the Co- Cody Cece in Ottawa. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was, with Colin Miller, if it wasn't a $9 million contract, I'd roll the bet. I'd roll the dice on Jeff Skinner. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. took a nosedive. Oh, well, big time. Big time. But you know what? I was always very, very on the fence about that contract because there's always that high risk, high reward if you give that kind of money to a guy who had one big year. And while, yeah, he proved that he produced in Carolina, he comes to Buffalo, he has over 40 goals, he looks fantastic, and then he just falls off a cliff. And, and you know what? It's sad. We've seen so many guys over the last how, how many years get the big money, balls off. Well, what's so weird about uh, Jeff Skinner is he continues to produce in Buffalo, and then all of a sudden he loses his shooting touch. Because he is still very capable in his own end. Like, he still plays that Carolina-style hockey, but he's shooting 7% below the league average which is insane. Like, the poor guy has been, just had all of the shooting touch taken away, so that's why I'd be willing to roll the dice on Jeff Skinner. Yeah. But that's a tough one to roll the dice on, especially because it's $9 million with an NMC. If you're wrong, you're really wrong. Yeah, and, and that's... there's other top-line guys to gamble on. It's true, and that's a lot of money to eat up if you have to buy him out, right? Because I don't know how many more years he has on that deal, but... 2027. That's a big contract that you're going to have to eat up. Like, you want an example? Look at Minnesota with Parise and Suter right now. Yeah. Or even the next team who also has an NMC waived. The Calgary Flames. With Milan Lucic. So, let's move our attention to talk about the NHL team from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, the Calgary Flames. I'm going to let you go on this pick, Tim, because I went with Buffalo. You're living in Calgary right now. Who do you got? I went with Oliver Kylington. I wanted a bit more money to play with some RFAs further down the line, so I needed to cut some money somewhere. Giordano is a good pick. At 37, one year left at 6.75, you're not eating a lot of risk with Giordano. So I can understand going with Giordano, but for my list, I needed some money somewhere. So I went with Oliver Kylington. He hasn't worked. He hasn't fully worked out in Calgary. Uh, it seems like uh, he's kind of fallen off, falling off a favor, especially with uh, Coach Gerald Sutter. So I think a change of scenery would be good for him, and I think he still can be more than like a fringe NHLer. Okay, okay, that that's a decent pick, man. I'm not gonna lie. Now for my pick for the Calgary Flames. I obviously went with Mark Giordano, 
And I see him as the captain of the Kraken. I think that's a pretty obvious pickup right there. You know, number one left shot defenseman who has proven that he still can't produce in his later years. One year left, you know, and you know what? It's not a bad pickup for for one year. Now, obviously, I know with the Kraken, I know if they want to go with a captain, they probably want a guy who's going to be there for a while. But, you know, when you you get a look at some of the younger defensemen I ended up picking in this draft, you'll kind of see why I went with Giordano over some of the younger guys with Calgary. So that's my pick. Now, moving on. There really wasn't much on Calgary, eh? Yeah, it was really true. All Kyle to Giordano. I saw people pick Michael Stone, and I'm like, why? Yeah. Honestly, for me, I was very torn between Giordano or just because he's a former Victoria Royal, Matthew Phillips. Oh, okay. And Matthew Phillips, I saw Matthew Phillips play for Victoria quite a number of times. Good player. I really hope he works out for the Flames, man. Like, he's such a good player. And the Royals still haven't had that player yet other than, uh, God, who's that defenseman plays for Detroit now? Um, Christian Juice? No, not Christian Juice. Fuck. He played for Team Canada, too. That's going to drive me. I'll, I'll think about this later on. So we're yeah. going so to move on to Carolina. And I think this is a pretty obvious pick, Tim. I wouldn't be surprised if you take this guy as well. Nino Niederreiter. Hashtag free Nino. Yeah, pretty much, man. I mean, what can you say, man? The guy's a crafty speedster. He, he'd he be perfect for Seattle. Perfect expansion team player. Top six winger. Can score to 20 to 25 goals if fully healthy. I think for me, there is a bit of a risk here because he could walk after next season because he's a UFA. Well, I think the thing is, is this is such a perfect opportunity for Nino because he's a guy who's bounced around a lot despite having the obvious talent and still being able to produce. Yeah. It's just for whatever reason, he hasn't stuck with any team. Yeah. So you have to wonder. But I think this is a great shot for him to come in and really produce and kind of take a team kind of by the horns. I mean, I, I really don't have any more to say about Nino Nino Ryder. And there hasn't been any reports about any character issues off the ice, any issues with teammates. You know, you don't hear these kind of things. But you know what? I don't know why that is. And I think with when you saw with the Islanders, the Islanders butchered his development so badly that it's amazing that he still is in the NHL today. Obviously, when he went to Minnesota, regenerated his career. I still don't know why Minnesota traded him to Carolina. But... Oh, that was that was peak Paul Fenton hours. Yeah, but you know what? You're right. Hashtag free Nino. I like it. Yeah. So let's move on to the Chicago Blackhawks. Tim, who do you see the Seattle Kraken taking from the Hawks? I think there's really only one option here, and it's Nikita Zadorov. Young guy, RFA, good in his own zone, still has room to develop. Interesting, interesting. Because there's really not a lot here. The only other one I could see is like maybe Calvin DeHaan. Yeah. But I think Zadorov is better, younger, and cheaper. And still has some cost control because he's RFA. Fair enough, fair enough. No, I definitely, with Calvin DeHaan, with my pickup, solid top four defenseman, can move the puck, can play left and right D. I see him as a second... Second pair of defensemen on the on the Kraken. I think that's a pretty safe bet because if you see some of the other players that have on the lineup, 
And if, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. He can walk next season. And I'm going to stick with that, man, because honestly, I... Sounds good. When you look at my list, you could definitely see that I'm trying to go for more of a balanced kind of roster because with all the talent up front that was available, it's kind of hard to be like, okay, how do you take this guy? But then you have to worry about the back end where you have teams like the Canucks who have so much speed. You have you have to play the Golden Knights. You have to play these teams in that division. So that's why you're kind of seeing where I'm going with this. Now for Colorado... I'm going to go with JT Comfer. And this is a guy. Sorry? Same. Excellent. Yeah, bottom top, you know, bottom six winger who can play up. Solid two-way player. And another reason why I picked him, he's that he can serve as a centerman. Yeah. And the other thing about JT Comfer is he's a very good defensive defensive forward. I know a lot of other people are jumping at Jonas Donskoy, but Donskoy is a sieve in his own end. And at 28, he is what he is. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about a guy who consistently gets absolutely sh like, like according to the model from Hockey Biz, we're talking about plus 10% goals against when he's on the ice in his own end. Sorry, expected goals against. So like, Donskoy is not not that great in the defensive end. I'd rather take Comfort. And the other nice thing about Comfort is he has a really really good finish even if he doesn't shoot as much as you would like him to yeah and maybe that's a perfect thing for seattle right because you know now he's going to be forced to have to shoot the puck yeah well we're going to load him up well the other thing is is the way we're building this team and i think both you and i kind of have this same mentality is they still gun hard and a lot of the wingers are very shooty wingers but the club is Blue Jackets, Tim. Now, I'm actually kind of interested to see who, who you take on this one. I think my pick's pretty obvious, but I'm very interested to see who you took for the Columbus Blue Jackets. I was weighing taking the Max Domi gamble. Because taking on $5.3 million for potential locker room problems and a guy who's not fit in on a lot of teams seems a bit steep. So I went with uh, Kevin Stenland. Young guy, looks like he'll be a good fourth, fourth third liner. Mm -hmm. Responsible defensively, can move the puck. Because besides Max Domi, there's not a lot here. No, there wasn't. And even when I looked at the Blue Jackets on Cap Friendly when I was doing my mock draft simulator, which, big shout out to them, man. Like, they were so, so helpful in this. Believe me, you have no idea. Oh, yeah. But, okay, I'm interested. Obviously, for the Blue Jackets... I'm going to take the gamble and pick Max Domi myself. You know, obviously the guy is a gritty, a talented center who can generate offense. He would kind of be a perfect player for that Pacific Division when you're playing against bigger teams like the Kings, the Flames, the Golden Knights. I see him being a fan favorite, but you're right. I think that's probably on my end why I was also a little hesitant to take him because you're right. He didn't seem to fit in in Montreal. You know, he seemed to have the problems in Montreal and you look at Arizona, where he was kind of hit and miss, admittedly. And another reason why I took Max Domi is that he's got a couple more years on his contract. So if he pans out for Seattle, that's a potential number one center right there. Yeah. It's a bigger risk. Yeah. But you know what? I think for myself, Tim, it's not as big of a risk as who I took from the Dallas Stars. I took Ben Bishop. This is a big, big 
high risk, high reward pickup because he missed the entire 2021 season with injuries. But he's a really good goalie when he is healthy, and we've proven that, and he's proven that over the years with Tampa Bay. He's proven it in Dallas. I don't see him being the starter given the layoff, but I can see him come in if he's needed. And he's got a couple more years on his contract, so he he could be sticking around in Seattle. Well, this is the thing where I think uh, it's a, a bit safer for the Ben Bishop play. Is uh, you're set between Ben Bishop and Chris Dreiger. You're spending about $8 million on your goalies. And with Dreiger and Bishop, you have a 1A, 1B. So Bishop can ease back into the NHL. I think this is your flurry pick. You, you gamble on an old goaltender who you think has one more, one more, a few more years in the tank. And honestly, who else are you going to take from Talis? Yeah. They are, for the most part, completely locked up. That's true, man. That's true. All their big names are tied up, man. So we're going to move on and talk about the Detroit Red Wings. Now, I kind of went with a dark horse pick myself for the Red Wings, but I'm interested to see who you took for the Red Wings. The list is pretty bad. Let's be really frank. Yep. I took Christian Juice. RFA, $1 million. If he doesn't pan out, no big deal. I was considering Jonathan Bergman, but with Chris Dreiger and... Ben Bishop, I don't see where it fits. Yeah. I think for myself, Tim, I actually went with a right-shot defenseman. I took Troy Stetcher. And the guy's, guy's proven he could be a solid puck-moving defenseman. You know, could be a good third-pairing defenseman if needed. Can jump up and produce if needed. And he's got another year or two in his contract. So, you know, it's it's a very it's a low-risk pickup man and obviously he proved he can produce and he's going back to the Pacific Division where he was known to play for the Vancouver Canucks so I'm going to stick with that pick not a bad pick honestly I can definitely see what I think it's yeah I think it's a good good enough pickup it's about as about as good as Christian Juice but man the rest of that Detroit availability list is pretty dire yeah well and there's a lot of players on it but not a lot of quality. Yeah, and it's kind of like our next team, the Edmonton Oilers. Because I think when coming into the expansion draft, there was kind of debate whether Ethan Bear was going to be left unprotected. And if Ethan Bear had been unprotected, I would have taken him. No problem. Yeah. But I'm going to go with another high-risk, high-reward player. Oscar Clefbaum. Missed the enti- like Ben Bishop, he missed the entire 21-21 season with a shoulder injury. But here's the thing, and this is why I kind of am taking the risk on him, because if he's completely healthy for 21-22, he's a perfect second-pairing left-shot defenseman. The guy's big, the guy is mobile, is a terrific passer, and he's got a great shot. He's got a couple more years on his deal. He can stick around. But that's a big thing for me. And I looked at that roster, and I'm like, do I take him or do I take somebody else from the Oilers? But I'm going to take the risk on Clefbaum. And worst case scenario, you send him to Robida Island. That's true. I looked at it. And I was like, "That's eh, all right." I didn't. I didn't think I had the space to make that take that risk. Yeah. So I just took a random RFA. Yeah, and obviously I went over the cap myself with my picks, but I, again, I think for myself, I looked at it and I'm like. 
I'm looking at the roster and I'm just like, there's, who do you really take at that? Like, who do I get rid of? Like, who the fuck do you take? Exactly. So, I know for myself, I would have taken Oscar Kleppon. Who, who would you take for the Oilers? I just took uh, some random RFA, uh, William Lagason. Uh, he seemed to look like he was producing well in the AHL, so it's definitely further, it's a death, death pickup. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, so, and he played, he played a few games for Edmonton this year, got two assists, a few games for Swedish League One, and uh, 10 points in 25 games for Bakersfield last year. So it's someone that can be your first call-up. So let's move on to talk about the Florida Panthers, because obviously, like I said at the beginning of this episode, this is the only pick that we didn't get to choose. It's Chris Trieger, Seattle Kraken assigned him. So I know that you talked about he's, this. him and Ben Bishop would be a 1A, 1B. I don't know. For me, this just seems like a bit of a high-risk, high-reward pickup, because again... Yes, he's looked good as a backup for the Florida Panthers over the last couple of seasons. The guy's worked his ass to get to the NHL. But again, do you really want to settle? You know, do you want to hitch your wagon to a guy who only has 38 career games to his name? To be fair, they're over a few years and they are very good games. I think I take that gamble. Same. Because like, the other gamble, the other options you have is uh, Racco Goodass. The other picks you have is Rako Goodas, uh, I think, Nunivara, Noel Achari, Frank Vertrano. Mm-hmm. Those, there's a lot of good options on Florida. Yeah. Honestly, I like the Kraken. I also would have taken Chris Drieger, myself, former Ottawa Center goaltender. But, again, I, I think I'm always more on the cautious side of Again, the guy's never been a starter. He's always been a backup. He's been a very good goalie when they put him in. So, for me, I think there was always that high risk, high reward of not been, never been a starter anywhere. Very good backup. But I'm good with it. Now, like I said, three year, ten point five million dollar contract. I'm happy for the guy. <clears throat> so let's move on to the Los Angeles Kings now. This was also another team where I think a lot of people probably would have looked at it and says they would have taken Jonathan Quick. Yeah. Would have given Seattle a name recognition goaltender, winner. I didn't go there, but I'm interested to see where you went with the LA Kings. I went with Austin Wagner. He's very young, somewhat agile, big guy. And uh, able to move the puck again. So it's kind of filling up. Like, you're starting to notice a theme. Like, I'm trying to future-proof this team a bit. Yeah. Uh, Like, very defensive guy. Good at what he does. And he's only 23. And on a contract for a few more years, for two more years at 1.1 million. No, that's a really good pickup, actually. Austin Austin Watson. Austin Wagner was a guy I definitely did look at, and I really consider taking him... I kind of I went another way with it. I chose Brennan Lemieux. Only for the reason okay. he plays like his dad, Claude Lemieux. He will be loved in Seattle. Because he will be such a fucking pain in the ass to every team in that division, whether it be 
you know, Elias Pettersson. Can you imagine him and Matthew Tuchuk? Oh my God. Seattle and Calgary games are going to be amazing. If he continues, if he pisses off him in Calgary, the only knock on him for me is that he's not a, not much of an offensively talented guy, but he's a perfect bottom six energy guy. He is an RFA in 2023. So I actually see Brendan Lemieux sticking around. He's still young enough too. So I could see them rolling the dice on him. Yeah, and I think that's a good that's a good nice a good pickup. Uh, another pickup that I like is Paul uh, Mata would be a good pickup if you're looking for a right shot defenseman. Yeah, he was another guy I took too, and but you know you definitely see a lot of left shot or or lefty righty split defenseman that you're seeing in my draft. And I think that's kind of why I didn't really go with Oli Mata myself, but for Minnesota. I went with Victor Rask, top line, or sorry, not top line, top nine two-way center who can produce over the last couple of years. He hasn't been amazing offensively, but he has been dealing with some injuries, and he's got another two years left on his contract. I see him as a pretty good either two-three centerman, most likely a number three center in Seattle, because when you get to one of the other teams coming up here, I think you'll kind of see why I chose Victor Rask. But I'm interested to see who you chose from the Minnesota Wild. I went with Nick Bukestad because he's a very similar player profile. Okay, that's a guy I almost took him. I I did almost take him, but I chose Victor Rask over him. No, Victor Rask is a good pick. Bukestad's just cheaper. Mm -hmm. So that's cheaper, but a bit older. That's that's why I went with Bukestad. Fair enough. Because he's another guy who's very good at pushing the play. Actually, I didn't realize that Bukestack and Rask were the same age. Yeah, so I, I think uh, out of the two, I'd rather go with Nick Bukestad. I think his underlyings are better. Although, Victor Rask can eat more minutes. Let's move on to the Montreal Canadiens. I know everybody listening to this would say, these guys are going to take Carey Price for the complete and utter anarchy it would cause. I did not take Carey Price. Dicks? I didn't take Carey. I didn't take him. But I'm interested to see, Tim. Did you take Carey? Or did you go elsewhere? No. I went with Kale Fleury. He looks promising in the AHL. And uh, it's a good good thing to keep in your farm. Still on his entry-level contract. And I think he'll be good, a good RD for Seattle going forward. Okay, okay, that's an interesting pickup, and I know, and I actually, I thought for sure you were gonna pick Carey just for the simple reason you want to see complete and utter anarchy, Tim. Honestly, that definitely is in my heart. I know but that was in my heart too, and I said, I, uh, I don't see it. I don't know. There's a lot of interesting options on Montreal. Yeah, because like Thomas Tatar. Thomas Fleury. Tatar was on there. Tatar, yeah. There was Philip Dandino. There was Paul Byron. Did you take Drouin? I did. I took Jonathan Drouin. And I think for me, hear me out on this one. I think Seattle could be a perfect situation for Drouin for a couple of reasons. He's not going to have the pressure of being a French-Canadian guy playing for the Habs. He's not going to be entirely counted on to being the guy. 
but also he's going into a into a position where this is not much of a hot take. I think he's going into a better situation talent wise. This is another high risk. Agree. This is another high risk, high reward situation for me because again, he was injured through must of 2019, 2020. And of course he stepped away from the team last year after 44 games. The only knock for me, and this is probably the only reason Seattle has to have kind of have to have buyers, not buyers remorse, but they kind of have to be a little bit weary about him. He can produce, but he has been known to be streaky. That's fine, right? If you actually, if you get a bunch of other wingers that can offensively support and kind of come on when others are off, the streakiness isn't too big of an issue. It's an issue in Montreal if you are the guy. Yep. Because remember, he was there before Nick Suzuki, before Tom Statar, etc. He had to be the guy. For Seattle, the way we've built it, like you've got Nino Niederreiter there. Uh, I've got some other very like some high talent guys coming in as well from uh, New York, Philadelphia. So he's going to, he's going to have support. Yeah. So I, I completely agree with you. And I think these are the type of dice rolls you have to take. I'm taking it on like the younger, the younger side, you're taking it on the right now side, but these are the, these are the roles you have to take. Absolutely. And you know what, when you see my next pick, I'm definitely going for the right here, right now go mode. Now, I want, I'm going to talk about the Nashville Predators. Because there was two names that really stuck out for me. Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson. And I'm going to tell you right now, because you know how Nashville, very well known for hip-hop music in the early 2000s, early to mid-2000s, but also known for country music. Seattle's not known for that. Seattle's known for grunge i don't know if this guy's into grunge i know he's in the country i'm going with matthew shane and the only reason i'm taking matthew shane he's a legit number one center the guy's proven it he gives the kraken name recognition yes he had a down season last year with only 13 points in 34 games i see him bouncing back and he's going to be sticking around seattle for the next couple of years until 2026 I definitely get that pick. And I would be normally right there with you. But Matt Duchesne's fucking cursed, man. I know. So, I took this time, I took this time to kind of dial it back a bit. And we're going with a bit of grit that my team's missing. Okay. We're going with Mark Borbietsky. Real? I didn't even realize Boro was unprotected. Yeah, Boro's unprotected. You know who's for next year. actually you know who's also unprotected, and I didn't even realize he's still in the NHL. Gabriel Dumont. You know who else is unprotected on this goddamn team? Ben Harper and Eric Gabranson. Incredible, oh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So no, but I think Borbianski really fits here because he's a guy who. He can be your seventh defenseman, but he can actually play up the lineup a bit. And that's something we saw in Ottawa. And, like, he can confidently play at your fifth defenseman if you really need him to. Yeah. And, so, and he's also a good ambassador, too, for the Kraken, right? Because he's been known to be very supportive of the LGBT community, and we know Seattle has a very very recognizable LGBT community in Seattle. Yeah. He's very well-spoken for a guy whose main job 
is to throw haymakers. The guy's very well-spoken. He loves talking to the media. He would be perfect for, I don't know, Q13 or KISW or whoever's going to be covering the Kraken in Seattle. So, no, I you know what? I'm cool with that pick. I like the fact that you went with uh, Boro. But here's the thing, though. What what nickname do we call him now? Boro Cop or Boro Kraken? I think we still go with Boro Cop. Because downtown Seattle gets a little spooky at night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially in Soto. Like, we're like. Yeah. It's not, actually, it's not even CenturyLink anymore. It's. Um, Lumen Lumen Field, Lumen Field and uh, T-Mobile Park, which is funny because that's originally that's where the arena was supposed to be. It was supposed to be in between both of those. So let's move on and talk about the New Jersey Devils. Now this is another team that very very slim pickings. I think that's a pretty obvious pick. I'm interested to see who you picked for the New Jersey Devils. A lot of people went with Will Butcher, but I don't see it. Yeah, I mean neither. Uh, so I went with Andreas Johnson. Like, he's a, a mid-six winger three at $3.4 million, might be a little rich. Mm-hmm. If I was a little superstitious, I might have gone really cheap here, taking someone like Connor, Car- Connor Carrick, and then shifted the money, plus someone else to bring in uh, Matt Duchesne. Yeah, I kind of... I didn't know really who to pick for Jersey... So I took Nick Merkley. You know, he's a young winger. He really hasn't found his footing in the NHL. I don't really see him on the Kraken for next season because he is an RFA in 2021. But you know what? Maybe this is the change of scenery that he needs, right? Because I think this would be the third team he's played for, if I'm not not mistaken. Because I think he played for Arizona, went to Jersey, and now he's with Seattle. So you never know. Could be a good pickup for him. But yeah, like the pickings are really slim here, unless unless you think PK Subban can return to form. That's a that's a pick that's originally. So I was just like, <sighs> no, he doesn't have it anymore. No, and that's the thing. That's a big big contract to eat too if you have to buy him out. So I think it's when you have to buy him out. Yeah, his shot's gone. He's not he's not pushing the pace the way he used to, and he's liability in his own end now. He yeah. hasn't really been good since he left Nashville. Man, did you see that meme that somebody posted where it's uh, a picture of P.K. Subban's uh, defensive positioning and it's him standing in front of somebody with his hands up like this? And the guy, <laughs> guy goes around him. It's kind of funny. It, very true. I hate to say it. Very, very true. So, He's really falling off. I know. And it's really sad because he was such a good player too. But, you know, unfortunately, things like this happen. So let's move on and talk. Let's let's go on and talk about the New York teams, both the Islanders and the Rangers. Let's start off with the Islanders. I'm going to go with Jordan Eberle. Now this is a pretty obvious pick. The other pick I think everyone was going for was not Brock Nelson. Um, Josh Bailey. Josh Bailey and Jordan Eberle were like the two big ones for this team, and I got to go with Eberle just because again, top six scorer was really. He, could prove he's a really good top line scorer when he needs to be. I think another reason why is because he would be a perfect match for Matt Duchesne. If you let Duchesne just be a playmaker and let Everly score, that's a pretty good combo. Obviously, I don't see it being like Duchesne and Hoffman back in the day, but, you know, I like it. And he's got another couple more years on his contract just like Matt Duchesne, so 
I'm going to be confident and stick with the pick. I went with uh, Everlay as well. I think Everlay still has a lot in the tank, while I think that Josh Bailey's already started to decline a bit. And Everlay is still fantastic on and off the puck. The shot's definitely starting to leave him a bit, but he still pushes the play like nobody's business. And yeah, if uh, Seattle actually does go with uh, Matt Duchesne, Duchesne to Everlay is going to be disgusting. Yep. I I agree, man. Like, Everly and Duchesne. Dusheb. Fantastic. Dusheb. Dusheb. Yeah. So for the New York Rangers, Tim, now I'm interested to see who you chose from the Blue Shirts. We're talking about teams that have slim pickings. The Blue Shirts are like the Senators, where a lot of their guys are either in the protection range or very young. Yep. So they're drafted ineligible so i went with the young guy here and i went with uh julian gothier mm. rfa next year under a million contract and i think he's a fairly competent guy moves the puck well enough defensive but the shot doesn't seem to be there right now but it's getting better than it was like you can see a constant stream of improvement and he's 24 so he still has a bit of time to get to his prime Okay. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, yeah, I've never heard of this guy before. It's like, the other options are pretty dire, let's be real. Like, on defense, Anthony D'Angelo, who is probably blackmarked by the league, Brendan Smith and Jack Johnson. Yeah. Like, this is rough. And, like, the best guy you've got on in the forward group is Gar- is between uh, Gauthier and uh, Barkley Goodrow. Yeah. Who just resigned? And he signed for big money too for the Rangers, man. That's a look. I like Berkeley Goudreau. He's a good player. He is not worth three point six, dude. I'm sorry. Nope. Yeah. And yeah, you know, you're absolutely right with the Rangers. It was very slim pickings. Now I'm gonna let the listeners take a second to brace themselves because they are not prepared for this one. I went I went with Anthony D'Angelo This is the longest uh, Longest of long shots That he will be taken And you're absolutely right He is most likely blackballed From the NHL Because the guy's a fucking idiot Who can't keep his mouth shut And can't shut the hell up about stupid shit But you know what He can't stop being a fucking dickhead Yep. Here's the issue Here's the thing though If you want to look past his issues off the ice, he is a perfect top-line right-handed defenseman. Mobile can score. Would have been a Norris finalist, if not a winner, if he wasn't a fucking idiot. It's like, yeah, the guy can move the goddamn puck. He shoots the nuts... But it's like, scores like a two, like, yeah, he scores at a fucking Norris range. But, like, he is locker room cancer. Yep, and I was just like... He stole a guy's game. <sighs> like, he stole one of his teammates for shutout pucks. And got into a feud with apparently nicest guy ever, Georgiev. How the fuck 
do you do that? And then your combo for that is I'm Italian? So? Like, yeah, the guy is incredibly talented, but what the fuck is wrong with him? Okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, Tim. If Anthony D'Angelo can prove to himself, the Seattle Kraken, and the NHL that he has changed, would you take that risk of taking him? He'd have to do hard work to prove that he's changed because fuckers dug a hole. Yeah. But you and know like, what, though? I Obviously, this guy's an idiot. And he's proven that he's a can- locker room cancer. But you know what? I'm of the belief that people can change. And even if you look at the... There's this young prospect in the draft this year. Just today, like he rescinded his rights to be drafted. Because of the outrage. That's pretty honorable. And you know what? He got charged for what he, happened, what he did. He fessed up to it. He didn't make any excuses. It's still wrong, but you know what? I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, if he does start working towards not being a massive pain in the ass, then yeah, I think I'd welcome him back in the fold. But it for D'Angelo, it's going to take a lot of work. That's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, it is. So let's move on and talk about our team, the Ottawa Senators. Now, there was actually a couple of names from the Sens that really popped out. Obviously, Matt Murray was on that list. Evgeny Dadunov was on that list. Joey Decord was on that list. There was Chris Tierney. There's a few other players. I think for myself, I didn't go with Dadunov just because of the talent we already see I would have on the wings. So I went with Chris Tierney. And the guy's a really solid mid-six penalty-killing centerman. The guy can't produce offensively. And I think through the last couple of seasons, we've talked about that. Even though he has focused more on the defensive side of the game, and I think that's perfect, and he would be a UFA after next season. So you know what? He could be either a third or fourth center sermon for the, excuse me, for the Seattle Kraken. I went with Dadanov just because I think he slots in pretty nicely at uh, as a second line winger. I think last year was just an aberration, and he'll probably be back to respectable goal numbers and decent power play next year. I think the sensor probably cutting and running a bit too quickly here yeah and that's for me like i would not be surprised if seattle goes for Dadanoff. and you're right i think that's a seattle or an ottawa thing where you're kind of giving up on him too weird and you've you've seen that pierre dorian doesn't really do that you know he doesn't like to admit that he made a mistake and obviously you you want a big example matthew shane the Matthew Shane trade because you know he went for it he shot a shot he called a shot it didn't pan out because the Sens tanked Duchesne was really good but the team obviously fell apart so I went with Chris Tierney Tierney's a pretty safe bet honestly good it would honestly, be a good yeah. pick up so now let's move on yeah no I can see Tierney for sure so let's go ahead and talk about Philadelphia now I think the one big name that really popped for me was Jacob Borjak and that would be an interesting pickup for Philadelphia. I didn't pick him. I went with another guy, but I'm interested to see who you took for the Flyers. Jacob Voracek has fallen off the face of the planet over the last three years. Like, his 
shots faded his shot pressure is just not as good as it used to be and yeah so I went with we already have a top leg guy with Matt Duchesne and I think I think you've sold me on Matt Duchesne as much as I'd like to bring in Borgansky what if we give him James Van Riemsdyk yeah I don't know if it would work Van Riemsdyk's not really a guy if you want to talk about a plug I'm sorry, man. JVR is that guy. JVR's never been a guy who's really impressed me anywhere he's been. Whether it had been the early years in Philly. I think more when he played in Toronto. He definitely... Anytime I saw him with the Leafs, he did not impress. But... We're still talking about a guy who has very strong very strong underlying numbers. Likes to shoot and can still finish at the age of 32. He's still producing somewhere between 2 to 3 points an hour. He is still an elite winger in my opinion. Like... A, Somewhere between very good to elite winger, in my opinion. And I think he'll fill out the top line if Jordan Everlake doesn't in in Seattle. I, and Van's Reem, Van Riemsdyk, before I had Duchesne, was like the top paid player on my, out of my picks. I think he's still got it. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm interested about your pick with JVR. I kind of went another way with it. I took a depth defenseman. I took Justin Braun. Veteran right shot defenseman. Possibly a seventh defenseman at best. UFA after this coming season. It's a little pick. No harm, no foul. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so what, what I'm getting from you is you're just not impressed with what the Flyers have to offer. I'm not, and that's the thing. And I did look at Voracek, but you're absolutely right. He has fallen off a cliff. There is a reason why the Flyers left him unprotected. If by any reason... Now, was Samuel Moran left unprotected that you saw? No. Okay. If he Moran was If he was unprotected, just to piss off... The National Podcast Network founder, Daniel Esch, I would have taken him. Because he's his number one fan. Remember when we had him on? He said, who's your, who's the best flyer not named, who didn't play on the 70s flyers? He said, Sam and Moran. Damn. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, he is protect, unprotected. Okay. You know, fuck it. Sam and Moran. Damn it. Yeah. Well done, well done. So let's move on to the other Pennsylvania team, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now... The Penguins were yet also another team that, admittedly, a little light on the talent they left unprotected. But I'm going to go with a dark horse to make the Kraken. Casey DeSmith. And the guy was a fantastic backup for Tristan Jari in Pittsburgh. Pretty good one. He's come in relief for, the, for Jari, and he looked really good for the Penguins. So that's going to be my pick. I don't have much to say about him. Dark horse pick. UFA after next season. I like it. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there really wasn't much available for Pittsburgh, as you were saying, unless we want to take our boy, Cody Cece. Who honestly didn't look, actually look bad for Pittsburgh. No, like, he actually went put in a third-line role behind other competent defense, but Cody Cece played about as well as you could have expected. Yeah. I think you're. So like, yeah, I was gonna say, sorry, man. I think your naming tree put it best when he says that Cody Cece hasn't looked like complete garbage, which has proven that hell has completely frozen over. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I went with one of Pittsburgh's more solid left defensemen in Marcus Pedersen. At four million dollars, a guy who can move the puck and is 
actually a pretty good stud in his own end is well worth the money. The only thing he can't do is shoot. And he's very good on the penalty kill. Can can play the power play, probably shouldn't. And he's still 25. And they've got him locked up for about four more years. So they've got him locked up through his prime. Solid. So, like, Jester Pedersen is a very solid pick for your middle six. So, like, your your second line. Okay. Okay, not a a bad pickup at all. I think we even talked about him on top of the hour when he got that $4 million contract. So, I'm, I'm cool with that pick. So, let's move on to the San Jose Sharks. And I really didn't know who to take from San Jose. So, I'm interested to see who you took for San Jose. Took Matt Nieto because he was cheap, and he's on the injury reserve, so if he doesn't come back, Robot Island. And if he does come back, he's a useful bottom-tier player. Yeah. So I kind of went the other way with that. I took Ryan Donato. I don't know if Seattle would re-sign him. Honestly, the guy's a fourth-liner at best for the Kraken. He is a he's a restricted free agent this, this offseason. So you know what? If Seattle re-signs him, could be a fourth-liner, could be in the American Hockey League. Well, Donato and Nieto are basically the same player. Yeah, and I think that's why I went with Donato, just because he's not on IR, so I'm cool with the pick. Yep, sounds good, sounds good. Now let's talk about the St. Louis Blues. Now I went with Zach Sanford. Could be a useful asset as a big body in the bottom six. Would fit in in that Pacific division. He is an RFA in 2021, so there is kind of a... Will he, will he not re-sign in Seattle? But I'm I'm honestly okay with that pickup. I'm playing the George McPhee strategy here. Absorbing all of, in my excess picks, I'm absorbing all of these uh, second-line defense picks. And then trading them out. Okay. I'm taking Vince Dunn. Fair enough, man, fair enough. And I did look at Dunn because, honestly... When you look at some of the defense... And I, I honestly, when I tried to put this together, I often looked at... Would it make sense if this guy made it? And obviously with the guys who can play left or right defense, and obviously I took Giordano, I took Calvin DeHaan, so there's obviously the one-two left shot right there. So I didn't go with them. I did go with Sanford. So I'm good well, with like, it. Yeah, I I admitted early on I don't think I can afford Giordano. So I think having a, a left-right switch who shoots very well and isn't a defensive liability and can kind of move the puck a bit is definitely the play that I think Vincent Dunn can actually end up on Seattle playing in that that second maybe that's kind of that second right slot maybe even the first if he matures more because he is only 24 Mm -hmm. so he's got a lot of room to grow yeah so let's move on to the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Because let me tell you, Tim, this team was not short on talent when it came to the expansion draft for Seattle. Because you had three big names out of that. Tyler Johnson, Alex Carlone, uh, who was the third one there? Uh, not uh, Palat. Ah, can't think of his name right now. So I'm interested to see who you actually took from the Tampa Bay Lightning. I went with Yanni Gord. Yanni Gord, that's who it was. Okay, thank you. I was trying to... The name was on the tip of my tongue. I couldn't think of it. The man. He is 
fantastic hit on both ends of the ice. He's got a pretty decent shot, and I think he'd be a perfect first or second line center for the other for the Kraken. And if he doesn't end up playing center, he can go to the wings. And he's a very versatile, excellent, excellent player. And at $5 million, you can't say no. I actually went with the cheapest out of the three of them. I went with Alex Killorn. And the guy's a terrific role player. Can produce, especially in the playoffs, as we saw. Seattle might take somebody else. It could be a Tyler Johnson. It could be a Yanni Gord, like you said. But if they do to go with Alex Killorn, he's going to stick around for the next three seasons. He's, he's a UFA in 2024. Pretty safe bet, for perfectly honest, that they're going to take one of the three. And whoever they take is going to be really good for Seattle. Really good. And, uh, well, it's kind of crazy. Like, with Killorn, you have a great role player on the wings. With Gord, Gord or Tyler Johnson, you've got a very stacked center, especially if they go with Matt Duchesne. Or like JT Comfort, Nick Bukestad. There's there's a lot of really good centers in this draft. For sure. Now I'm gonna move on to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I think the reason why I chose Alex Kalorn myself is because he is definitely an insurance. Like he's definitely an insurance pickup for the Seattle Kraken because I went with Zach Hyman. And here's the thing for me. I don't see Seattle having the cap space to re-sign because I think he's going to be expecting some big money in this offseason. And he would be a terrific compliment for Alex Kalorn. UFA in 2022. However, I think we can announce here on this podcast, Tim. Now, I don't know if it's 100% confirmed. From what I saw, there was a leaked video on Twitter today. The Seattle Kraken took Alex Kerfoot from the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's funny because I went with recently acquired Jared, Jared McCann. Because J- McCann's not protected, and I think he can be taken by Seattle. And McCann is a very, very good player. At, and at age 24, again, good in his own so good in the offensive zone, and has a wicked shot. And plays center. Center or right wing, I believe. Yeah, Sorry, and, there, and there were a few options for the Leafs, obviously. But for for Toronto, most of it, outside of Zach Hyman, most of the pickups were in goal. Because you had, I think you had Hutchinson, David Riddick, and Freddie Anderson. Well, you, But you also still had two very good center-slash-wingers in Kerfoot and Jared. <coughs> and Excuse me. this is actually the thing I really don't get. Why didn't Toronto pick to protect seven forwards instead of going eight players? Justin Hall isn't that good. No. Because, like, with their three protection slots, they could have protected Riley, why am I Muzzin, and Sanheim. So, like, sorry, and uh, why am I Sandine? TJ Brody? So they could have got their. TJ Brody? They could have got the three guys they needed protected, protected. Because, right, Sandine isn't eligible to be selected. Okay. So, yeah, they didn't need to protect four defensemen. And th- this is really surprising to me from a team that likes to pride itself on working with both the eye test and analytics. And 
part of me is really starting to wonder about Dubas. I don't think he's actually a good GM. There's always been that debate. First error. There's always been that debate regarding Smugfuck Dubas. I think just because, again, the team that he was given was not the team that he built. The team that was built was from Lou Lamorello, Mark Hunter, Brendan Shanahan. It was from the Shanahan plan. Dubas was part of it. I'm not saying that he wasn't a part of it. Obviously, without Dubas, I really don't think the Leafs go after Tavares. If I'm being 100% honest, I think that's Kyle Dubas right there. I think he says, you know what? We need to do something here. John Tavares, there is very, very rare a free agent of that caliber hits the market. Toronto just happened to be the one that landed him. Yeah. Well, it's like my... What I am seeing here is with Dubas is there's a lot of weird things that look like errors in retrospect. With like, a lot of overpays. Nick Foligno? bringing a Like, Nick Foligno, bad trade, a lot of questionable pickups at the deadline. Nick Foligno. The protection strategy here is off because you didn't have to lose Kerfoot. You could have kept both Kerfoot, kept both Kerfoot and Can. And losing a hole is entirely acceptable. I just don't really see the sense in these moves. And it's like it's a lot of really questionable moves in quick succession. Yeah, yeah. Having, or having to buy out, or even like the buyout of freaking Marlowe. And they had to get give away their first to do it, and it was a mid round first. But they didn't go anywhere. But here's the thing, though: you've got to give Dubas Dubas a little bit of credit because he did go on and land. Who did he land? Pittsburgh's pick. He made that yeah, trade with the Penguins. Because that was like that was. His, I think that's more him correcting an error more than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like getting the Pittsburgh pick back for Kapanen was pretty impressive. Although Kapanen was very productive season. So it's like, it doesn't look too bad yeah. for uh, the former Pittsburgh GM. Jim Rutherford. But, uh, Jim Rutherford. Yep. So Tim, let's move on and talk about the Seattle Kraken's arch nemesis, the Vancouver Canucks. Who do you have for the Canucks going to the Kraken? This was, if we're talking about thin lists, this is about as thin as it gets. There is really nothing on this list. I went with Zach McEwen. Oh, see, I owe everybody a beer right there. Pardon? I owe everybody a beer. My phone just went off. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, I went with Madison Bowie. Literally who? Yeah, like, I remember him with the Red Wings. Now, this is, again, if you recall from Third Lane Plugs seasons, the, the term of, I don't remember him as a senator, but I remember him from the EA Sports Games. That's Madison Bowie. And honestly, the guy's an AHL player for sure. He's not an NHLer, but he's a free agent after next season, so... It could be worse. Yeah. Honestly, it does get better because let's talk about the Washington Capitals. 
And they're going to definitely pick up a solid depth player who can play physical and sometimes chip in for some points. Garnett Hathaway. Decent pickup, man. Honestly, he was really the only capital player. I was just like, yeah, all right, I'll take him. He's not bad. He can still play. Yep. I went with Carl Hagelin. I thought about him, too. I thought about him, too, but I was trying to go for cheaper options at this point now. That's true. Because I was like five, I was five million bucks over the cap. Oops. Yeah. This is why I'm not a GM, kids. This is why I decided that I couldn't have Mark Giordano. But yeah, Carl Hagelin, good role player, has a Stanley Cup. I think he also went to the finals with New York. I think so. And he can still play. The shot's gone. I don't think he ever really had it, to be honest. But uh, always good, like a good, just responsible defensive forward. Plays both ends. And at 2.75, not a bad contract. And now we've come to the Winnipeg Jets, the 30th team of the Seattle expansion draft. Who do you have for the Winnipeg Jets, Tim? Their future first right-pairing defenseman, Dylan DeMello. Love it. Well, he's really good at stabilizing offensive defensemen. And I've picked a lot of puck movers, mm-hmm. and having a good stay at, legit stay-at-home type guy like DeMello is something this team can really need. And he's very good in his own in both ends of the ice, and I think he can be... He could probably even wear a letter. You know who he would be perfect for? Ottawa. Yeah. Just saying. So I honestly, I I went with a player that Winnipeg, from Winnipeg, I I know Seattle's not going to take him, or not take him, keep him. Nate Thompson. Honestly, he's he's a UFA this year. He's just a pick. Is this because you were out of money? Oh, no, God, no. I was out of money a long time ago at this point. I just, I honestly just looked at Winnipeg, and I was just like, yeah, guess I'll take him. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Part of me's wondering, do I just not take Van Riemsdyk and go with Giordano? Uh, it might be a more stable team. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, but then again, you could be like me, who's $5 million over the cap. Shh, don't do that. I know. I shouldn't do that, right? You know, that's what I get for being cheeky and go after Giordano. But, you know, it is what it is. So, Tim, man, it's, it's hard to believe that we've already drafted our Seattle Kraken. Decent pickups. Some big-name players. Some guys who are clearly not going to make it. And Anthony D'Angelo. So, there we go. Well, I think that's what's really interesting about the Seattle team is I think they're good. They, if they play their cards right, they can be a very good team. It does rely on some people having some bounce back years. Like they go with Matt Duchesne, he needs a bounce back year. Yep. Giordano needs, he needs to continue to be immortal. Like there definitely is some things that need to go right, but there's a lot. This team won't be a team that's bereft of death. There's a lot of very good middle six players. There's a lot of really good second and third pairing defensemen available. So you can build a team 
that is effective in both ends of the ice, yep. can move the puck, and can hit. Yeah, and is competitive, so like, too. Oh, yeah. And you have a pick of very strong goalies with Ben Bishop, Chris Dreyer, and Tiranta, and a bunch of others, too. You can gamble. You can roll the dice on Tristan Jari. You can take a pick at Jonathan Quick. There's a lot of goaltenders available here. You can cause complete anarchy and take Carey Price. Carey Price. So, yeah. obviously, the only team that we didn't talk about was the Vegas Golden Knights, and obviously they are exempt, which is complete horseshit, but that's not the point. <laughs> I think the final thing we need to talk about, Tim, before we close this episode out, we need to give our predictions for the final record for the expansion, Seattle Kraken. How do you see the Seattle Kraken finish the 21-22 NHL season? They're above 500, and I think they're a playoff team. Okay. Interesting. Because the Pacific is not a strong division. Yeah. I think for I think me... Pacific's probably the weakest. Yeah, I'm just going to say right now, I they are definitely above 500 for me. 40 wins, maybe mid-40s. I'm going to say probably 43, 43 wins. Okay, so a 90-point team? I would say that. But again, like you said, and I do agree with you, it's all on whether some guys have some bounce back years. If Oscar Clefbaum is going to play, if Ben Bishop is going to play, if Matthew Shane can have a bounce back year, if, well, we obviously know Anthony D'Angelo is not going to make the team, so who are we kidding? But it's all going to depend on this team staying healthy, playing good, and not falling apart. Mm -hmm. They do get they do get the benefit of an easy schedule because the Pacific Division for next year is going to be Anaheim, Calgary, Edmonton, Los Angeles, Seattle, San Jose, Vancouver, and Vegas. There's yep. only one elite team in that division, yep. and that's Vegas. Yeah, and I see Anaheim Vegas... Anaheim and San Jose are rebuilding. Honestly... still in the midst of a rebuild. Yeah, Vegas... I see Vegas completely just rolling over Seattle. Like, there's... Oh. But then again, Vegas rolls over everybody <laughs> except win the playoffs, so... It's true. The only teams that I really see potentially taking steps forward is Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. But I said that last year, and uh, none of them made the playoffs in legit the easiest division ever invented. Yeah. So uh, look at this idiot. I know. Christ, when Ottawa was like the least embarrassing team out of our division, it says something. Yeah. Well, it's like Montreal, but that, well, I guess it's like. Montreal made the Stanley Cup Finals, so who are we to talk? But also, every other team was playing good teams throughout the entire year. Yep. And then Montreal got crushed like a used beer can at the end by Tampa Bay. As we talked about in our last episode. Yeah, so... Honestly, I could see Seattle being a playoff team next year. Same. And James Van Reed's like 40-goal season inbound. Okay, it's on the record now, Tim. I'm just being a shitter. <laughs> so, Tim, do you have any more comments you want to make before we head off into the close for another evening? Oh, I think we're good. It's funny how quick this stuff's going to be happening because we're going to have the expansion draft, and then we're right into the entry draft. Yep, the expansion and, draft's uh, tomorrow night. Yep, 
So we're going to have the long list of Ottawa goalies get even longer. I'm just going to say right now, I think this is the very first time, Tim, that you and I are ahead of the curve. We're actually doing an episode before it happens. Blessed. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network. You can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 Honey Badger. I'm at Great White Gipster, GR8 WITE Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about our Seattle Crockett expansion draft, shoot us an email, thirdlinkplugstudentscast at gmail.com. Until next time, guys. Hi, I'm your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go, Sands, guys. Woo!